Welcome to Where's the Nuance with myself, El Nino. In a world of black and white thinking, we're here to introduce a little color and pull back the dogmatic ideologies that stand in the way of truth. I love science. I just think it's incredibly pretentious and has claimed too much. Its methods are great. Its constipated conservatism is maddening. You must unlearn what you have learned. We can fight endlessly on the supposition that there are good guys and bad guys. When we fight on that supposition, there is no possibility of compromise. Because we all step in shit from time to time. We hit roadblocks, we fuck up, we get fucked, we get sick, we don't get what we want. We cross thousands of could-have-done-betters and wish that wouldn't have happened in life. Stepping in shit is inevitable. So let's either see it as good luck or figure out how to do it less often. Awesome. So on this episode of Where's the Nuance with myself, El Nino, I'm joined by Alana Kidd. This is the second time on the podcast. She is a brilliant scientist who holds a master's of science and a research background in life sciences, holistic health education, working in the field of psychedelic pharmaceutical drug development research for mental health disorders. But today we didn't go to talk about that. Today we wanted to jump into something a little bit more esoteric and somewhat pragmatic at times, which is the notion of masculine and feminine in regards to energy, the shifting scale within our world in terms of moving towards a more feminine embrace, while as well taking note and perhaps being critical in our understanding of new age feminism that sometimes conflates masculinity with toxicity. And we dove into all these nitty gritty, somewhat hot topics. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. We tried our best to keep things grounded in nuance and a broader awareness and to share a perspective that hopefully enlightens yours. All right. Thank you so much for coming on, Alana Kitt. Uh, you have been on before your PhD neuroscience candidate studying the gut-brain connection uh, in regards to psychedelics, specifically psilocybin. But we're here to have a different conversation today. We're here to talk about something that, quite frankly, can be culturally very taboo, which is the feminine and the masculine. Why do you want to talk about this? Ooh. First of all, thanks for having me on again. Glad it didn't scare you away. Um, and yeah, I I came to you to talk about you know the feminine and the masculine because it's just been coming up for me personally in my conversations, in my experience. And like before we get into it, I want to preface by saying, you know, we all have our own lenses of reality that we're working through this massive shift that we're in right now in the universe, on earth, in this physical form. And one of the elements that comes up in our physical body is the masculine and feminine energies, you know, and how that is interwoven in our higher self, in our spiritual essence um, and connection to God. So that's why I wanted to come on here. Love it. Um, <laughs> I know you, you gave me a little bit of a list before you came here, and I want to go through some of these, obviously, topics just to get into it. Um, firstly, how do you see, firstly, the energetic differences regarding masculine and feminine? Many people might suggest that what we're having here is a bad conversation because there's no such thing as the feminine and the masculine. These are socially constructed ideas that have no basis uh, in reality. Clearly, I don't think that's where either of us probably sit with this idea. Mm -hmm. How do you see the differences or the masculine and the feminine actually being, uh, you know, manifest in this universe, in this reality? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of theories around it. And I 
have tried to gather all various types of theories and like again seeing what you resonate with is super important and what is like your what is your truth but we are in a patriarchal society we can state that you know and um, we can even connect it to the Kali Yuga and the Mayan calendar and you know as we move from the age of Capricorn into the age of Aquarius. The age of Capricorn is very masculine. The age of Aquarius is very feminine. And so as we shift into these new light years, we're finding this like flip-flopping of old reality, new reality, masculine, feminine. Um, and it's also interwoven with society, within ourselves, our internal environment, external, external environment, and even psychedelics and how that plays a role in, that I want to get into. But for me, like, I find patriarchal, um, you know, the pyramid code goes into this very nicely in, in the documentary that I want to bring up is, like, patriarchy is more um, historical, linear, dogmatic, there's a rationality, there's a waking reality, and it's science. Mm. And that's kind of where I also want to dip into, like, my own experience with the science and spirituality and artistic sides. But the matriarchal is eternal it's the cycles of time it's ritualistic um it's cyclical right it's it's smoother um magic altered states and art so that's kind of how i look at them in a more dualistic manner and, and they, they are, are dualistic yeah. and they are still very that's all very reminiscent of very classical ideas regarding yin yang which are traditionally gendered constructs mm. again even though and you see the same thing even within the lens of psychology within Jungian psychology between the anima and the animus uh, to describe the energy uh, the feminine psyche versus the masculine psyche and again very emblematic and representative of what you just mentioned one being more chaos aka the feminine more you know in time with cycles and change Whereas the masculine is much more to with an order, a kind of structuring, which again, either one of these on the extreme, I think, can always be damaging. Exactly, yeah. And I think uh, what we're seeing in society is a lot of extreme mindsets rather than non-dualistic. And we're going through, again, this massive shift where we're kind of flip-flopping and really, really evaluating our relationships with the masculine and feminine within and digging into those layers from our childhood, from our ancestors, our relationships with our parents, grandparents, you know, digging into these deeper layers of the self and the ego and our core essence at heart, which, you know, I also want to talk about how the soul is, the soul is genderless, but we are in a physical body on earth here with both masculine and feminine energies and I think there's a reason why all of us are thinking about these masculine and feminine energies as even in a patriarchal society and a you know male dominant society how we can start to you know I'm going to quote Zach Bush on this but like extend the feminine wing out to fly through into this new age mm. because for hundreds if not thousands of years it's been patriarchal with the one wing flying out and we're circling. We're not actually looking at, well, maybe we're starting now, but innovative strategies of looking at both mm. and having reverence for both. 
But in order to do that in society, we have to heal those layers within. Right. And Otherwise, go into them. Yeah, because if we swing the pendulum too far to the other extreme, suddenly we were going to hold resentment towards the masculine, Correct. towards the patriarchy. When, in essence, one could say that, you know, neither is inherently good or bad, right? It's when you have a lack of a balance. I mean, and you see this even in older religions where all of the monotheistic religions tend to ascribe God as a kind of a masculine figure. Mm-hmm. And we even, and there's no, there's no feminine counterpart like there might have been in the older uh, uh, spiritual religions. Because I know that in Christianity, we say the Father, the Son, and then the Holy Spirit instead of the mother, which would make sense. It's almost like there's been an intentional erasure of the feminine throughout these both spiritual doctrines and even within the actual religious institutions. So it's apparent to me anyways that we need to come back to the feminine. But again, I think it's really important, like you said, how can we do that while also creating a space for men to also embody what I think real masculinity or real you know, patriarchy in a healthy sense looks like? There's so much to touch upon there that I'm like in my head, I'm like, oh, okay. So to go into the history of what you're talking about from like biblical, mm-hmm. um, then I want to touch upon like the Egyptians and past civilizations. But like if we were to go biblical and, you know, talk about how it's, it's male dominated, it wasn't. There was Mary Magdalena, mm. Yeshua and their sacred union that they had. That was taken out. And I really, people, if this is hitting people and resonating with them, go into looking more at Yeshua and Mary Magdalena's sacred union. They had reverence for one another and they helped one another um, find that balance of feminine within themselves to then find that sacred union of love and thus up to source or around source, right? Um, We saw this in the Egyptian um, era where they were in the light years and they actually worked with psychedelics and entheogens. We still do this now. Old, old, um, you know, civilizations and old tribes and, um, you know, groups work with psychedelics to find that feminine and masculine balance within themselves and then find that spiritual connection with God. Um, what was the other thing that you were talking about with our society? Um, How can we as a society, well, as this conversation emerges in both the spiritual lens and even the, you know, modern mainstream lens, there is going to inevitably be resentment then towards mm. the masculine because yes. of how oppressive it has been for many people. But I would always argue that this narrative that the masculine was oppressive only to women is absurd. Clearly what it was is there was a small group of powerful men who created a structure that they could, that could, they could benefit from while disempowering the average man and disempowering the average woman beneath the average man. But I, I wouldn't say it was a system that Yes, all men have been doing so great. It's like, no, they haven't. Men have, men have suffered extremely, and they haven't been able to embody them, what really they've been called to do. Yeah, and this pep- perpetuating cycle mm-hmm. of toxic masculinity, right? And I'm not going to say that all men are like this by any means, but you know, there's a lot of men that are having to now decondition what they were taught, and it's not our parents fault either like we have to find we have to move through that anger for sure and 
acknowledge it because it is there within us. But then we, at the end of the day, we have to like let it go and and see that our parents were at a level of consciousness and awareness at the best that they could be with the tools that they were given, obviously, right? But this perpetuating masculinity, n- now we're also seeing this flip of imbalance of, I mean, this is again my opinion, but this imbalance of feminism and feminism now challenging the masculine and I'm actually realizing and finding that the masculine is now being targeted mm. and men are afraid to do anything and they're taken out of their true masculine, right? And it's so evident now. Men are being... Emasculated. Emasculated. And we're seeing these like strong feminists, but these women are actually... And they think that they need to do this, right? And maybe it's all part of this like rebalancing act right we go extreme and then we find balance the pendulum swings yeah but it's not men versus women fuck that fuck that like it's having reverence for each other we can't fight we have to merge and you know i also want to talk about you know these male and female groups brothers and sisters like these women's circles these brotherhoods that are forming great it's great to be around the same gender to talk about these things but again it's separating eventually and this is where it's this perpetuating negative circle it be, it can become a little bit extreme of having these separate groups mm. when at the end of the day you're going to have to learn after you heal these wounds to further your journey you have to merge with the masculine you have to merge with the feminine. And we're going to have to start creating now these male and female groups. You know, what I love about that perspective is technically, so Jordan Peterson got a lot of hate because, well, he gets a lot of hate for a multitude of reasons. But something that I agree with wholeheartedly with him is he, is he says, the feminist narrative that's painting this historical narrative or, or repainting history as mm-hmm. men oppressing women throughout the ages and is he's going, that's a dangerous picture to paint because firstly, he doesn't believe it's true. And secondly, what kind of a picture is that going to create for a future? How are women and men ever going to actually come together if it's that men have been secretly hating women and dominating you and in this evil, tyrannical way, as opposed to perhaps finding the nuance, which is, no, there's been a huge cultural, systematic and societal patriarchy that's been suppressing a union between both the masculine and the feminine. I think that's the union that we have to come to. And, and again, it's beyond just simply, you know, having sex and having a family, but really, like you said, holding a reverence for the other and, and, a, and a level of respect that I think sometimes radical feminism can kind of degrade, like this idea like, oh, again, and it's, I think it's just so removed from reality that at some point I, I say, we started to treat adults like children and children like adults because you have, you know, these radical feminists saying things like, oh, a woman can do any single thing a man can do. And I go, that's just silly. Mm-hmm. Just as a man can't do every single thing a woman can't do. That's just silly. It's just we're starting to appease to a, to a kind of illogical, emotional base. And again, perhaps that's the radical matriarchy or the notion of that. But it's only dividing us further. And, and again, Correct. like you said, perhaps that's the pendulum. But I would hope that part of us recognizing the division that was caused by 
a millennia of patriarchal thinking, the, the, the healing isn't going to be found in a divisive matriarchy. It's found in, a like you said, holding a, a true reverence for the unique aspects and characters of the feminine and masculine energies. How do you think we can find that balance and that respect? Because you've mentioned, you kind of touched on brotherhood circles and sisterhood yeah. circles. So how do we, do you have any ideas or thoughts on that? Yeah, I think we have to change our lens of perspective, our doors of perception. We have to go into that pain. And I just had a conversation about this like an hour ago. But we can't run from it. We have to go into it. And, you know, we've even talked about this before is like the spiritual bypassing that's occurring of like dancing around the ego, dancing around the pain and, you know, touching it and then running away, touching it and running away. And the only way is in mm. of going into that pain and seeing what we can learn from one another. Um, and of course, we're going to be triggered, but we have to have that level of awareness and surrender in which we talk about to embody. Okay, this is going to be freaking painful, but I need to go into this with this person because they have this key that I'm curious about learning something deeper within myself and mm. something deeper within their self. And that takes humility and time not does not happen overnight does not happen in a month it can happen in years and this is where the merging and the trust has to come of merging the feminine with the masculine within the, ourselves and within others you um, touched on the yeah. fact that ancient societies specifically in egypt used psychedelics to help navigate these inner balances or help bring these to light and actually i i was listening to the joe rogan podcast and they mentioned how they actually found that a lot of the wine that they were drinking was spiked with with a psychedelic so yeah the egyptians were in fact tripping balls and they were getting super high and and you know navigating the psychedelic realm do you know more about that how did that what was going on in that process i think it just brings us into the layers of our core essence, our ego, and our experiences that we have been passed down from generations, um, intergenerational trauma, intergenerational experiences. We, like for myself, I can only speak from my own experience. I've passed on a lot of, I've been passed on a lot of energy from my mother that I'm working through and clearing. Um, and that is also connected to my relationship with the masculine. Mm. Um, that has taken, you know, years to explore. And I used to hate the masculine. I used to hate men. I used to be really angry at them. And I'm now coming into this like, okay, I'm learning so much from them. And I have now this like reverence and appreciation for A, what they're going through and, and the um, emotional awakening that men are now leaning into which is the feminine and how I can you know be there for the masculine mm. as well in that in that sense um but yeah I think yeah even in my own experience in the scientific world in the pharmaceutical industry it's very male dominated and it took me last summer to think about I used to have to play with the guys and 
even from a child, I would always play with boys. Mm. I was always like doing extreme sports and always, and I grew up with around a lot of women, but like we're all in our masculine. And when you say that for anyone listening, what does it mean to be a woman in your masculine? It's just like more driven, more thinking about career, education, goals. And, and I thought that I had to embody men and be like broy with them and like and I was completely suppressing my feminine and this came into my body like the left side of my body was always tight my left hip was always tight my mom's hip is tight my sister's hip is tight my grandmother's like I was like there's a trend here and I don't know if like other women are experiencing this or even men are experiencing this but like we have tensions in the body that are expressed with the left being the feminine the right being the masculine and we can go into those and like even in meditation you can go you can go into that tension and breathe into it and see if a memory comes up that you can then go into the layers of the self and see okay what am I suppressing what is that like what is the minutiae of that and the emotion around that that even just awareness you don't even have to heal it by chance but the fact of awareness you'll then start to go into that experience and just naturally it'll clear. Mm. And then you'll see it in your relationships. You'll see it in omens around you in the universe, right? But it's this deepening of the self and of awareness that it that it takes to then start to see it in other people too, you know? And How have you yeah. noticed the more that you've focused on developing your awareness in regards to both your masculine and your feminine energy. How, bring us into that story. What's that like? How does that actually, you know, how do you tangibly deal with the realization that, oh shit, I've been in my masculine. Mm -hmm. What did you do? What do you do? Well, it started to unfold last year, maybe even the year before, of like my, not even my personal relationships, but especially in my career, of like how I carry myself around men. And I found that I was trying to be like them and be in that masculine so that I can compete with them. Mm. Um, But that was not working. I wasn't being heard. Mm. And, you know, it also took my relationship with validation and needing to be heard. Why do I need to be heard? Mm. Why does it matter that this person Here's what I'm saying. Does it matter? And I think that was all kind of connected to like, how do I present myself in conversations around men and women now too, right? And it's holding that um, queenship mm. and how and how I carry the feminine. It took really, really expressing the feminine and um, being, I think there's so much strength in the feminine that we were conditioned to think that it was weak. I would agree with you. I think that a lot of women might argue, a lot of women that I, I know might argue what you're describing as being competitive and this, those aren't exclusively, those aren't masculine things. Those are just being powerful. That's, and women can be powerful too. But, but I think there's a, they really, they're coming from a misled perspective. They're, they're equating, masculine traits with power when really 
embracing femininity is very powerful, especially for a woman to do. And it needs to be brought into the workplace. Mm-hmm. It, and this is where the teaching can come for men is this is the new baseline. We need to have the feminine and the masculine energies. And this is what you can learn from it. Emotional intelligence, integrity, and creativity and innovation. That's all feminine, mm. right? That's all thinking outside of the dogmatic principles. That's all thinking about of, out, outside of like linear constructs, which our society has been built upon. But like now that systems are breaking um, in a beautiful way, how painful it is to be experiencing this shift, but how beautiful at the same time of like, we can create so many new systems now if we have that and carry that new baseline of the feminine and the masculine. And that's where I find it's like part of my soul's mission is to merge the science with the spirituality. Mm. Science has been all masculine. And I'm like, how can I bring the feminine into this world? And I'm already even trying to do so in the, in academia mm. and create the new baseline of emotional intelligence in the labs. And, and it's also so interesting. There's like so many women in science, but they're all in their masculine. Because maybe that's what they felt they had to be in to get there. Which is what I had to do. Mm-hmm. And this is this new realization for me. It's like we have to bring out the feminine without feeling guilt, without feeling shame. It's so important and it's so needed for all of us to rise together. Yeah. And the pendulum is really swinging right now. It's going back and forth into this old and new reality. And eventually we have to come together. And that's that double helix. It definitely scares, I think, a lot of young men because the idea of coming into your feminine in a time with this kind of new age feminism scares men because I see a lot of videos and I I like to peruse the internet and see how the the internet climate is. And a lot of men are are saying, oh, I I finally decided to show my emotions to a woman and now she called, she said it was ick or that was gross or that it turned her off. And then men have those experiences and say, and then they turn to someone like an Andrew Tate figure and go, ah, see, this is the alternative. This is what's better. Never show weakness. Never see the woman as your partner. She's always kind of the other. This isn't about coming together. This is about keeping yourself safe, becoming su- successful. And I think the nuance here is, Yes, for young men who've never engaged with their feminine, aka their own emotional expression and their capacity to, you know, be aware of their emotions, that first time opening up when you do it to a woman who isn't in her feminine and can't hold space for that, yeah, she's going to think it's weird and gross because she's not even really comfortable within her own her within her own femininity. Mm. So of course that experience is going to be negative, but it doesn't reflect uh, something inherently wrong with being expressive around your emotions. Of course. I'm guessing a lot of those men, perhaps, you know, there is a there is an art here to social human behavior. There's a difference between emotionally venting and dumping and not doing anything about your emotions with a woman you just met, and the difference being in a engaged, supportive, supportive and loving relationship with a woman, and then, you know, asking her, "Hey, I have a lot of stuff I want to talk about. Do you mind if I, you know, unload a little bit?" And then you can unload those emotions and create the container in the safe space but 
we live in a culture and in a climate that the moment that either the feminine or the masculine feels the slightest bit of hurt, pain, or rejection, it's suddenly, okay, fuck the other side. This is why I don't open up. This is why I, we aren't on the same team. And it's too bad because I, to those people, I go, hey, there will be people in this world who mm -hmm. will hurt you and mm -hmm. who will not hold space for you and mm -hmm. who are in, are in fact a part of the repressive patriarchy or patriarchal norms or whatever it is, or the radical feminism. Yes, this is true. Allowing those experiences or those individuals to prevent you from embodying what I think is a true balance, aka being a kind of man that can stoically, Buddhistly feel your emotions with a compassionate awareness that doesn't attach to a, a, a story of victimhood or pull you into a weakness is incredibly powerful. While again, being the man, the masculine, setting your own boundaries, being disciplined, rigorous, structured, holding that kind of structure and space mm -hmm. for the feminine to be able to then be the kind of flowy, magic, creative chaos that women can be, you know, don't let those experiences prevent you from being that. Cause I can at least speak from my own experience and say, dude, the amount of, I've had experiences where women can't hold space for my emotions, but I don't care because I don't need them to do that. I'm at a point where I have enough feminine energy expressed within myself that I don't need anyone else to help me do it. And then, and then the moments where a woman fails to meet that for me, I just know she's not up to my standards, you know? And I hope that young men and young women can, can hear that and go, do the same mm -hmm. for yourself. If a man can't hold space for your femininity, that guy needs work, not you. You know, I mean, nuance, of course. And same for the man. If you open yourself up to a woman and she says, ick, dude, that girl is whack and toxic. Like, get out of there. You've saved yourself the problem. Um, Amen yeah. at home. <laughs> to all of that, like truth, 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 at least for me in my lens. But um, I think it's so beautiful that you touched upon seeing people for where they're at yeah. without judgment. And that's the hardest thing is when you're in an experience and you're experiencing all that hurt and pain, if it triggers you, if it touches like old wounds and stuff, witness it. And then take a step back and be like, okay, this is not about me. We're all mirrors for one another. Mm. We're all trans helping each other transcend. And whether and, and we go into this like expansion, contraction, expansion, contraction to go deeper and deeper and deeper, right? And those contraction periods are tough, but we can't stay in those states. And also, we're always changing. We're always shifting states. And now... Even being aware of when I'm in my feminine, when I need to be in my feminine, and when I could be in my masculine. Like when I'm running, I am I'm more in my masculine, and I feel like a fucking badass warrior goddess. But like, and then can express more feminine. But it's like it's like hard, and and um, it's beautiful. I don't repress the masculine within myself. It's gotten me to where I am right now. But I also need to expand into my feminine and, and work with the masculine and have, um, have appreciation for where they're at. But not all men are in balance mm. and not all men will listen to the feminine, will listen to what we have to tell you. Yeah. Right? And, and for me, I think like if I'm to go like a little more esoteric and into past civilizations, like I have a lot of a Lemurian in me, which is like, 
women ha have a sense of intuitive knowing because our wombs are connected to Gaia, are, we're connected to Earth. We have this sense of intuition of what's to come, what has happened, and it's this weird sense of knowing that we can only, I have to speak that truth. And whether that resonates with people or not, I don't care, but I have to birth this. And it took going into that womb to, and the feminism, or the fem, feminine within me to like realize we have to share our sense of knowing. Mm. And, but not all men will have their ears open for it. And that's okay. I think because the male way of knowing is through the intellect, right? The, the, it's very well, like mm -hmm. left brain, those kind of stereotypical, but half true. And, and you even see this in psychological uh, studies of the brain. You, you actually see more activity in the cognitive aspects of men, whereas women, you see more energy and more processing in the emotional aspect. And for men, I think the common trope is they hear women engage with they hear women talking about their engagement of reality, and it seems, hey, those that, that's not based on logic. Those aren't logical responses. Mm -hmm. You're acting out of your feelings. Thus, it's wrong. And I, and I think it took me even some time to realize it's not wrong. It's just different. Yeah. And at some point, men have to have be humble enough to accept that the way that an emotional being, women, again, stereotyping, but perceive the world is through their emotions in part and that's real emotions are the most valid thing it's like this it really is our it's our initial connection to something divine right like you said the intuitive knowing this womb this connection to the realm from which souls enter into our space and and we have to respect that um because on the flip what happens when you live in a culture that represses its emotions? Well, you end up with kind of what we've had, this mm -hmm. small group of people collecting power, most humans degrading into you know slave work, working for other people, being cogs in a machine, and everyone passively accepting this, even though most men feel purposeless, feel miserable, but because they're told to don't engage with their emotions, okay, they don't. So they just push past and repress. But I think for men, to be honest, if men could simply connect with their femininity, they would realize and probably, and I don't want to be conspiratorial here, but that would be the emotional power needed to really shift society is men's emotions targeted at, hey, why have I been emotionally repressed? What is the causes and the conditions by which this emotional repression has arisen? If men started to engage with those feelings, I have a feeling you'd have a spiritual and or real revolution at play. Mm -hmm. Which is, yeah, I mean, it's currently it's been like a fight for power, mm -hmm. superpowers. And, um, but, you know, going back to even the Egyptians mm. and the energy that they worked with, you know, how the pyramids were batteries and how energy is free. It's supposed to be free, right? We're now trying to, we're realizing we're in climate change, like a climate crisis, right? the you know the the energy in which we're using is linear it's not cyclical and so you know to go back like two or three years when i was learning about like business and sustainability like the terms and the the life cycle cyclical life cycles is so important to start to look at and that goes into like indigenous wisdom and how did they get there psychedelics connection to earth feminist like feminine energy of you know, 
using the intelligence of nature to create new innovative systems mm. to go into this new society. So that's why we need that feminine wing to come out is because we can come up with so many more innovative um, technologies. Right. So you're seeing, you're saying engaging with the feminine aspect in regards to even our climate crisis and all the crises that we engage is going to help us focus on creating energetic resources that are cyclical in nature that aren't these linear like for instance right now we have coal or take, oil make waste take make waste exactly whereas and, and i'd agree right because essentially the feminine is the basis of creativity and like every smart person has said we need creative solutions to climate change and the climate mm -hmm. crisis. It's not going to be what the government's supposing, which is just stop using oil. That's silly. Those aren't, that's not creative. That's just a temporary slowing down of a process that we've been engaged with. And we really need creative, sustainable solutions that, you know, use the Earth's natural cyclical resources to gain energy. And I mean, mm -hmm. and I think the sun is a potential thing. I think we have yeah. the oceans. We have a lot of we have a lot of things and you know perhaps even i don't know much about it but you know they talk about like how tesla and a lot of these people in the past were looking into very creative mm. ways of ga uh, gathering energy just from the 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 resonance in the air the fucking magnetic resonance i yeah, think yeah. from the earth the magnetic frequencies magnetic human frequencies. resonance yeah human like, resonance yeah all of these things right we just have to remember it because our past like civilizations knew how to work with these energies on earth mm. even with like the stars right um yeah you touched upon something really interesting about like working with the intelligence of nature and i want to go back to that because you know nature is the most intelligent automated like ai technology mm. because it's continuously living it's continuously working in symbiosis so if we could look at the codes of nature and see things from even like a sacred geometry perspective, right? Like we can harness the creative creativity from the feminine and then utilize the logistical masculine to then work together into finding new solutions, right? But unfortunately right now, going back to how the masculine is being targeted this is even happening in our epigenetics right mm. now and how fertility and testosterone is really being challenged from our environment. Yeah. From all of the xenogens, from plastics, BPAs, um, to, you know, even vaping. And a lot of these like hormone disruptors that are in chemicals within products and whatnot, if we're not aware of our environment and the epigenetic effects of it, our, um, we're going to be so hormonally um, imbalanced. We have a lot of low test men. This low is testosterone. Yeah. And it's such a fucking thing right now that n not enough people are talking about. Testosterone is being targeted. Mm -hmm. And ironically, you actually see a lot of papers. I've seen articles. I've often, unfortunately because I am left-wing, but unfortunately coming from the left-wing in academia suggesting that testosterone is the basis of the evil in our world. And I think that's such a regressive and... Really? Yeah, and it's such a regressive notion to suggest that one of the gendered hormones, let's say, mm -hmm. is, that makes men, integrally men, I mean, 
obviously, because even if you want to transition to be a man, that's the main hormone we give you to, yeah. to be or you know, affirm that you're a man. Um, so it's obvious that that is integral to being a man. Yet, like you said, we have actual from our diets to the plastics to our air to even, I would say, the culture that suggests competition is inherently wrong when we know that actually men and young children, young boys engaging in more mm. uh, physical play increases testosterone, increases, again, epigenetic effects. It's, it's almost sometimes I can't help but feel like, hey, if I had an intention to make men very weak and repress the, the, their potential to rise up, I'd say we're doing a damn good job now. I don't want to get into conspiratorial thinking, but you do have to wonder, wow, this is, these are the perfect conditions for real masculinity to be yeah. targeted for this kind of fake idea of masculinity, which is just let women tell you what to do and do what they what they tell you. And I go, that's that's not it. Either. No, it's and creating it, <laughs> passive. It's creating passive men, right? Women that are in their more in their masculine are going to attract a passive male beta males and i hate to say that word but (laughs) but it's we're seeing that a lot now and like again going into the patriarchal society you know women are we have to conform to the workplace right Mm. now which is actually not conducive to you know if we want to have children or yeah even our cycles yep there's four stages each month that women have to go through we shape shift four times a month. Tell us about these four stages that women have to go through. Yeah. So like you go through, um, you like on your period, you know, you have the Ew, menstrual phase, <laughs> you have your menstrual phase, you have your follicular phase, you have your luteal phase. Um, and you have follicular, luteal, uh, menstrual and one other. I forget. We're See, it's not even out. that important. Then. They don't know what they're saying. <laughs> but point is, there's four stages. There's four through. stages. And we have to kind of morph into the patriarchal workplace for that. Absolutely. Right? And I think, you know, one good thing that came out of COVID is like more work flexibility, mm. which is better for women. But um, again, the feminine needs to come into the workplace of honoring that and honoring we don't have to work like like western workforce is completely different from european workforce right and i think that there's something that we can actually learn from like work-life balance we've always been talking about work-life balance well there has to come like a bit of sacrifice Mm. with that yeah i don't want to be too socially critic here but i think that intentionally this was done because the the government wanted to increase their tax base they and women wanted to work but then the way that it's structured is like in the old days, in the 1950s, let's say, things weren't perfect, but a man could work, a woman could hold the house, and they would make enough of an income to support themselves. After a while, suddenly, you'd have two parents working, yeah. and yet if they're still barely making now enough to support the house. There's been a whole power structure change where women are being called into the workforce to work into a cycle that isn't even meant for them. It's built for men, mm-hmm. but they've been encouraged socially by feminists that that's their goal. That is the best possible thing for you when actually that workforce is not even designed for them. Mm-hmm. It's actually extremely oppressive for the, for the feminine, yet that's being glorified as the ideal pathway. Of course, there's mm-hmm. nuance here. There's room for us to create new working environments that actually integrate the feminine. But also I think there's 
a, a validity in the kind of conversations that are coming around where I hear men kind of preaching a little bit of traditional roles and I go, yeah, it wasn't inherently evil for the idea of man to be breadwinner, making money and woman Providing. to be care. Yeah. Because I go, that's actually exactly how we evolved in our hunter-gatherer societies. Totally. And people have a grife with evolutionary psychology. They, they think that it's deterministic. It's not. It's just supposed to give us insight into why is it that a lot of men find that kind of work okay and why women find that kind of work repressive and alienating. Well, there are psychological conditions that our minds arose and evolved in that make community especially important for women because when the men were out on a hunt or whatever, women's social bonds with each other, that was the most powerful thing. Mm -hmm. And that's why I do think sisterhood is important, mm -hmm. right? Like in women to come back together and to recognize that, hey, I don't think it's evil or repressive or old school to suggest that maybe some roles are more conducive to the feminine and some roles are more conducive to the masculine with nuance that each individual is not inherently reflective of generalizations that I'm making. Right. And a lot of these generalizations right now are still very dualistic, right? And like, you know, I heard one person talk about how, you know, the man takes care of the external the woman takes care of the internal now again there's a balance there's a spectrum it's not one or the other but I do think that like if we can actually be humbled and surrender into learning from one another and surrender into being held by one another for different for our strengths you know if if a man can feel supported enough to fall into the strengths of a woman and be held by her and supported, he will be more successful. Amen. And bring and support. Woman, the woman will also feel supported equally, right? It's the, it's the yin and the yang. Behind every powerful man is an even more powerful woman. Right. <laughs> and also, like, in this day and age, we are creating new systems of, of making abundance that... If a woman feels supported by a man, she can also find systems and solutions to also create abundance mm -hmm. to bring that in and support. It doesn't have to be a competition of who's bringing in more money or whatever. Like, yeah, I don't, I it's really don't like lens. that. And I used to, I used to think like, I want to be the breadwinner. Like that will, that will give me power. Mm. Fuck that. There doesn't need to be any power struggles, mm, yeah. you know? And, and if it does come up, then what old patterns and beliefs and dogmatic principles were you conditioned to think that there needs to be a power dynamic? Well, and Because then argue, we're competing. And one might argue this is unfortunately what has been the result of, I would say, radical feminism, where it does end up pinning men and women engaged in a power struggle as opposed to what it is, which is a an energetic struggle that we and we need to come together as opposed to the idea that oh someone should always be on top or one is always going to be on mm -hmm. top because i go that's ridiculous mm -hmm. because men need women women need men and when and when we start when i start hearing cultural conversations that women shouldn't ever have to need a man men shouldn't ever have to need a woman i go that's so sad to think because we all come from like a line of parents you know for most of us a mom and a dad for the norm and that is supposed to be ideally like a sacred reverence that teaches us how to love the other how to respect the differences of the other and and i really 
I look at my own life and I think about the female relationships I have. And even just the other day, you know, I was, I was on some acid and I was going over my life and uh, over the last few months and my beautiful friend, she's like, man, and she was just giving me perspective on my emotional, <laughs> on her view of my emotional progression over the last six months. And it was so healing and so beneficial to hear, you know, the feminine perspective because it was crazy how effective she's able to see my emotional body when for me, I'm so inherently engaged with my intellectual side. And I go, wow, that relationship that I've fostered and that capacity for me and her to hold space for one another helps us grow because at the same time, that emotional container that she's able to create for me on the flip side, then she tells me, oh, uh, you know, I've realized that a lot of why I was feeling anxious and depressed is because I didn't really have a lot of structure and you inspired me to be a little, little bit more disciplined with my morning routine. And I didn't tell her to, I just, you know, she was curious about my discipline because I live a very disciplined life. Now she's not as disciplined as me because for her, it might actually feel quite encroaching to be perhaps at the level of structure I'm at, but she simply engaged with a morning ritual with a degree of discipline and, and it's helped her so much. And all I could think from the third eye, bird eye, bird's eye view is, wow, this is the masculine and the feminine supporting one another to see the gaps in the other and support the growth, recognizing that it's not a competition. Like I'm not, a, I feel no competition with any woman because I truly go, well, I'm not you. Mm -hmm. and, and honestly, beyond that, I look at every human and I go, yeah. I'm not in competition with any of you. There's only one human if I want to engage in that kind of narrative and it's me. Yeah. I compete against the older versions of me. And that's, you know, that's for me to do. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey talks about that I in love his that speech. Guy. You know, that speech where he's like, who's my mentor? Right? Who's my mentor? It's me 10 years later or whatever, right? He's my biggest inspiration. Me five years from now. Yeah. And I reach five years to ask me, <laughs> yeah. so are you your own hero yet? He goes, hell no. No, I haven't he's so reached good. And he's always chasing this future version of himself. I actually yeah. remember I, I cried when I watched that Oscar speech. I was a big fan of him. And it resonated because I think that's the Matthew is an extremely wise guy. That's the ideal, isn't it? Yeah. Can we strive to chase something better for ourselves, not in engaged in a power struggle with anyone else. Mm -hmm. Getting pulled into a narrative of I need to be so good so no woman can, right there you've lost yourself. You've you've engaged into something that will only divide. And vice versa with women. Yeah, I think I mean again you touched on so many different points, but like the <laughs> the external versus the internal right and like we're learning from one another we're walking each other home we're brushing up on each other's edges and triggering one another to deepen our own internal experience mm. you know we are giving advice we're sharing our own experience but at the end of the day we also have to have that connection to ourselves and our intuition to be like this resonates with me, this doesn't resonate with me, or am I being open-minded or am I being closed-minded? And it's that homeostatic balance. One day we're gonna be more in our feminine, one day we're gonna be more in our masculine. Absolutely. And that's where it takes the time to reflect, the time to internalize it, and then transmute it into embodiment. Mm. And it's an ongoing process, you know, we're never there. Thank God we're never there because I'd be bored. Like, I, I it's a that. life journey, right? Yeah. We don't have to expedite anything. Everybody is at their own place and we can look to, to support. We can look to appreciate. You know, if people aren't at the same level as us, doesn't matter. Like, 
you know, or there's always people quote unquote ahead or, you know, we're in our own world and experience, our own universe. You are your own universe. Yeah. Right. But um, I do think that there is something to be said about taking advice in and seeing if it resonates because this quote that I read like two weeks ago has been coming up a lot for me is like in a world of so much information all we're trying to do is find wisdom Mm. and we're in such a massive shift in this world you know Gaia is constantly shifting the Schumann resonance just shifted yesterday like we're feeling it right whether we're conscious of it or not and our realities are shifting right can we actually find that discipline and surrender to then mm-hmm. find that flow state that's beautiful you know it's to talk to touch a little bit about this i want to share i think the i think a very great journey for anybody who's engaged with these conversations or wanting to touch on masculine and feminine it's just do a little deep dive on your relationship with your parents it's like the most obvious and very exemplary way of seeing how these different energies might be held within you in a specific way. I can tell you for myself, for instance, I used to think I didn't have any like blockages with my feminine because I've always been very emotional. I've always been pretty in tune with my emotions. And I thought, yeah, I don't, I don't hold any blockages there. But actually I realized because I started getting triggered by women in my life because they started to give me advice. And I was kind of like, I noticed that my initial response anytime a woman would try to give me advice is immediate defensiveness, kind of like mentally shutting them off, thinking like, the fuck do they know? They're not a man. And then I was like, okay, why am I feeling like this? Why am I, clearly I'm being defensive here. And then I thought, oh, it's because my mom used to be a little bit controlling and she'd always try to tell me what to do. And she was a little bit of a matriarch in our home. And I think it, it created a trigger within me that I now look at any woman, especially if they're even older than me, well, I don't want to hear it from them. Like, cause it's like, uh, uh-uh, I already heard enough from my mom. I don't need any other woman telling me how to live my life. And that's something that's come up in my relationships where anytime a piece of conflict would come up where, you know, they're trying to just help me with something. My gut response is shut the fuck up. You don't fucking know me. Like I know myself better than you. It's like, yeah, to an extent, but we all have blinders and it's very beneficial when someone else can help us see our blinders. And I think mm-hmm. the flip side can be said a lot for the feminine because I know a lot of women who, on that same sense, won't hear a word a man has to say about them because what the fuck do they know? They're not a woman. It's like, it's not always about that. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's exactly who we need to hear from because that's the person who does offer a different lens. And that different lens could be the very thing necessary to push past that trigger and get into the darkness and find the light i don't have time to talk about my parents <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to dig into you and this is just... but it's all so helpful too it's yeah. like even going through understanding the gender roles in my mm-hmm. house and the um in my own mind of what didn't feel equal or mm-hmm. e- equality and i'm equal, sure yeah, yeah man equal gender roles is such a big topic it's like like a year ago, two years ago, I've been like, fuck yeah, we all have to have equal gender roles in this house. Like that's the best way through. But it's also creating like burnout for women. Mm. 
Um, so when you say equal, you're not, it's just to clarify, you're obviously not saying that people shouldn't have equal energy or attention into their roles in a relationship and or family, right? We all want to be putting in equal effort. Totally, totally. But it's that the roles themselves shouldn't necessarily look identical. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, this is why it's so hard for us to, like, grasp, like, jumping back into the workforce mm. after having a child and maternity leave. It's not long enough. It's not long enough. And also, like, maternal leave, paternal leave is also great. Mm. But also, scientifically, it is so important for the mother and child mm -hmm. to be in direct contact. Yep. It helps with the microbiome. It helps with physiological um, cognitive development, mm -hmm. brain development, you know, it is so important for the mother and child to be in connection and Absolutely. to even in the States, what is it like four weeks that you're it's off? Something ridiculous. Maybe, maybe it's longer. I don't know. But like, that's insane to me because we need that connection yeah. and that's what it's like been in the past. Right. And again, it's that perpetuating patriarchal workplace absolutely in dr gabor mate's book the myth of normal he actually touches on that he references a book written by this woman who's was so proud that within two weeks of having her kids she was back at work because she needed she was important and needed there and because she was this like business powerhouse and he said that was one of the saddest things he'd ever read he's like yeah. that women have become so disconnected from what's so natural within femininity which is to build an incredible and supportive relationship with your child especially after birth not just for your child but for you and that we've reached a point in society where women are so disconnected from that natural reality this isn't a socially constructed thing this is like the basis of human behavior and people have a hard time understanding that we are primates primates you can look at chimps extremely social extremely communal based and even more so than that we're even closely more closely related to the uh, starts with the b and i forgot different kind of uh, apes we're even more social more loving a little mm -hmm. bit more egalitarian and not so uh, patriarchal like chimps are um but we aren't so different and mm -hmm. when we when we view humans from a kind of simplistic lens we actually fulfill more of our needs because we realize what is it that humans need? Primal we need, instincts. Exactly. We need community. We need connection. We need community support. When a woman has a baby, it should be like the community is having mm -hmm. a baby and everyone comes to support them. And that's why you see in communities like indigenous cultures where that's still happening or even in Latin American cultures where it's still more normal to have the community or the larger family helping the mother. You see a better uh, turnout. You see less postpartum depression. Yeah. All these things that we just go, oh yeah, it's part of life. Postpartum depression, it just happens. No, it doesn't just happen. You, there, there are external conditions by which these women are having children and they're becoming depressed because they're disconnected from, like you said, these primal ways of being and knowing. Unenriched environments, suboptimal mm -hmm. environments, totally. And like even, even to further that, like um, women that are still in the workplace and are pregnant, like I think we're seeing this even more now in offspring is like a woman that's like high cortisol, which is like so many of us, like mm. there's the chronic stress and inflammation, stress. right? <laughs> Leading to all dis-ease. Um, but a woman that is in a high cortisol, high stress environment while she's pregnant, that's poison to the baby. Yep. And that's predisposing the child to a host of lifestyle related issues and mental health disorders. Yep. Right. So how does this then connect with femininity and masculinity? At least in my opinion, I see it that 
in a way we are being called again to recognize hey women and men deserve equal respect and values mm -hmm. and rights totally great mm -hmm. that was a fuck up in history totally okay now we also need to hold reverence for the fact that there's unique characteristics that tend to make up the general populations of ma masculine and feminine and when we hold them with reverence and come together with a humility to accept that the other might know something that we don't know on whatever side we happen to be on that aisle that's when we can find real divine union and we have what hopefully and what i think our society or the powers that be fear which is us coming together and mm -hmm. recognizing that we do need each other that we're only going to evolve to that next step both socially culturally and you know in regards to the crises we fail or we face we're only going to overcome them by embracing the creative divine feminine energy embodied within structured technological masculine principles mm. i think yeah the answer is literally sacred union mm. and with to find that equilibrium we do have to have that like I guess separateness and the time in isolation to sort of go through the triggers and the past experiences and the past conditioning and the layers and you know there's something to be said about going into it on your own mm. but in order to really really transcend and integrate into society now we have to come together with with that new awareness with that new lens of reality and balance and to continue that integration of balance of the masculine and the feminine we have to come together mm. and know that there's still going to be rough edges that we're brushing up with like a rock right mm. you know initially when a rock falls off of a sediment off of a mountain it's hard it goes into the ocean mountain is masculine ocean is feminine soften mm. and come together and merge we need to merge together and have appreciation for one's strengths, see one another's weaknesses, but bring that into now from the inner world into the external world, into society, into new business strategies. You know, like again, both wings need to come out. We need to listen to each other and have reverence for one another. Pragmatically, what advice can you give to young women who? relate to the notions you said of being in their masculine and feeling like, well, that's what they had to do to get here. Okay, well, now they're here. How do they step into their femininity? Do you have any practical advice? I think you have to ask yourself, what are your voids? What are, what are your deficiencies in your essence? Because we're born perfect, pure love. And then as we, as we go into society, have experiences, have this conditioning, we have holes in essences, or holes in our essence that are formed and create our default mode network, our ego, our personality, right? Our lens of reality. And I would say, ask yourself, what are your voids that you're holding on to? Be aware of them and... Can you learn to love all those aspects of yourself? Because it's really hard to merge with somebody if you don't have self-love. First and foremost, you have to learn to love yourself for the body that you are given, mm. for the cycles that you're given each month. And that is a superpower mm -hmm. 
to really, really honor that feminine and, and be okay that you may be dishonored by an imbalanced masculine or an imbalanced woman. We didn't even get into like female competition, but like, you know, that's also a real thing. And that's just an imbalance of the feminine and the masculine. Right. Right. And these are all, again, social constructs, but they're very real. Can you actually appreciate the body that you were born with in your feminine? Yeah. And masculine. It seems like, yeah, for a lot and of work women. work with both because yeah, we shape shift. For a lot of women, it is about, and this is my analysis too, a lot of women tend to hold so much shame and insecurity around what makes a woman a woman. There's even fear, right? There's so much fear around birth, for instance, which is one of like the most amazing things that a human being can ever do and a man will never be able to do is bring life into this planet. And we do hold uh, shame and fear in regards to so many of the things that make women women and the cycles that they go through, their period, all this stuff, these cycles. And I think on the flip side then, for men, if I was to answer that question, how can men step into their masculinity? I think one of the most obvious ones that I think is so great that is on the rise is tapping into your physical power, is getting into, and that doesn't mean have to be the gym and lifting weights. For someone, it might be yoga and connecting to that practice. For someone, it might be skateboarding. But I do think inherently within the masculine, there is this very, phys there's a physicality to it. And when men can learn to connect with their own physical body and the physical power that they have been given, that comes from our ape ancestors that, that's directly within us and is embodied within that testosterone, learning to transmute what once drove us to war into an act of creation to create mm -hmm. a body that can look a certain way, move a certain way, play a sport a certain way. That's power. And when we learn to integrate that power within us, I think that's a, such a good building block for the masculinity. And then secondly, for young men, I'd say, learn how to set boundaries. It's such a masculine and powerful thing to do. And if you can do it right, like knowing how to say no to things, especially to your guy friends, because it's so easy to fall into like a, a peer uh, group think. But like when men, the most masculine men that I know, like these adults, you know, who both are fit, but very firm, yet gentle. They just, they're very disciplined and they have very clear boundaries about what they will and will not do. And that kind of integrity is so powerful and masculine. I think that's exactly the container that when you step into as a man, women feel attracted to that. I mean, so like, sexy. it's sexy. I know. Right? Like I, I've had many women tell me, they're like, I think it's very attractive that you're, you're very disciplined. You have this mm -hmm. discipline practices and you have a follow, you follow this diet and you work this many hours and you won't just be totally open to see me all the time. Cause you have these things that you care about. And I go, it's super yeah. sexy. And apparently Women like that. So men, if you're, if you're thinking, oh, I have to be open to them and do everything they say. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. You have to follow your own inner authority. And same with the feminine, right? It's when you learn to tap into the inner feminine authority in women, respectively, and your inner masculine authority, respectfully, that somehow the true divine union can arise in my analysis. It's the sexiest thing when a man has structure within himself, but is also able to find that that flow, mm. which is the creative feminine, right? It's, but again, there, it's not 50, 50 no, within no. each person. Right. And I think like men of course need to have more masculinity. That's the sexiest part about a man mm. is when he's in his masculine, but is able to communicate and be emotionally intelligent. Mm. 
and aware. It's just all awareness, right? Within all of us. So this is a lot of feminine and masculine, but to kind of pull back into a more spiritual side, are our souls gendered? And I think this is an interesting thing because I've actually, mm. I thought about this for a long time. And when I first started meditating, when I was 19, I had my breakthrough meditative experience. I'd been meditating for a year at that point, almost every day to no real avail. It was just like an, a practice I was doing very disciplinedly. And I had this big shock realization, spinal energy movement. And I had the big truth in my body and soul that I had been here before. And one of the other sentiments or feelings that I got was I've lived many lives as a woman and, and somehow for me in that experience, and again, I'm not here to like rationalize it just to share. I felt like, oh, perhaps that's why I more than other men was always a little bit more feminine. I've always been a little bit more feminine than the average man. I'm more in tune with that. But I know that you don't necessarily think that that means that my soul is gendered. What's your opinion on gendering of souls and how, how, does, how do you think this works? And again, we're, this is just... We're shooting the shit. shit. We're shooting the shit here. <laughs> um, I think that our souls have no gender. And it's connected to a lot of spiritual awakenings that are forming within people. And that's why we're kind of playing between the masculine and the feminine and even transgender and this questioning of like, who am I? Right. But I believe that our souls have no gender, but we are given a physical body that we also have to embody mm -hmm. and have reverence for. And we have to appreciate like the gifts that we were given in this lifetime as a woman, as a man, but our souls, I don't think have a gender. And so we're in a layer right now where we're talking about the masculine and the feminine. But if we were to talk about deeper, like spirituality and our spirit, that is universal. Mm -hmm. That is where it applies to both men and women equally. Yeah. Right. And that's where, um, like to go back to the even Egyptians is like, they did the balance of the masculine and the feminine. I believe that's what we're going through right now mm. to go into this new age to then transcend into like a higher state of consciousness, a higher dimension, higher frequency is the universal language that a lot of these beautiful enlightened gurus talk about. A. A. Almas, a. H. Almas talks about this. Um, it's, you can transmute a lot of these spiritual gems and keys without without gender mm -hmm. it applies to both men and women yeah no i hear you i see i from my point of view in the spiritual lens the spirit is obviously disembodied like the spirit is having an experience of human and as such while we're here and you're present in this moment engage with that duality engage mm. with that energetic uh notions of masculine with feminine of even good and bad. I'm, I'm not the non-dualist type who suggests that it's somehow incorrect for humans to ascribe value to things because I think that's how you build healthy societies that, that cause less suffering by getting more intelligent with our discernment and our capacity to label things. Again, maybe not so blatantly black and white, good or bad, or 
but getting more complex and saying, well, these conditions create this kind of thing which disempowers the individual here, etc., etc. And I don't think getting more intelligent and discerning around how we place value within our culture and society is wrong. I see it the I see it as the natural progression of the human the human race and species. But from the spiritual lens, yeah, no, I'm like I'm pretty crazy. Like I, I hold the idea that everyone went to heaven. Like I read this book and it'll probably piss people off. I'm I'm not even sure if I can say this, but where the author suggested that in the God lens, everyone is only ever acting from where they are. As such, no one is ever acting evil because everyone is only ever acting from, well, their manifested karma, from their cre- from the conditions from which they were created, the way they reacted and mm-hmm. what they did. And as such, the most evil person that comes to mind from World War II, that, that guy technically went to heaven, just like anybody else, because he only did what he thought was right and his level of awareness. And again, he probably won't reach enlightenment and be done from reincarnation. He probably has many reincarnations to deal with all that karma. But the idea is that if there were a heaven or hell, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be, it wouldn't classify things the way that a human does in good or bad, or in that sense, masculine or feminine. Everything just is. And in that non-dualistic place of everything just being, well, everything is perfect. And it's hard because from this human experience, we feel things. We have sensory perception. Things don't certainly don't always feel perfect. I get cold and I get hot, and at the extremes, they're uncomfortable. They cause suffering. You know, isolation and suffer physical pain. All these things, I very innately and quickly can feel like one is better or worse than the other. But from the spiritual lens, tapping into a greater awareness into God's awareness into God's eye and nothing is bad nothing is good nothing is feminine and nothing is masculine everything just is, is. one again I, I don't like to get wrapped up in non-dualistic conversations because mm-hmm. English language is inherently dualistic so any any attempt to have a non-dualistic conversation in English is not very fruitful it's, so many paradoxes form that way yes exactly <laughs> yeah I think um I mean, I, there's one thing, like the more I learn, the real, the more I realize, the less we actually know mm-hmm. with this lens of reality. It's good. And this is what came to me on my mushroom journey a month ago was like, this is one way of communicating, but our antennas are another, which is an even higher frequency that we're feeling from one another, our energetic exchanges, right? And... I mean, I'm not going to touch upon like what happened, like, like, um, heaven or past lives and whatnot. But what I did see in that journey was like, I totally died and consciousness continued. That's awesome. And experiencing that and it leaving my body and going into the astral realms, into the higher realms, that's all I needed to touch and, and actually experience and witness is like consciousness continues. Also looking at quantum physics, energy cannot be created or destroyed. Yeah. So what happens to that energy continues, in this baby. body as a semiconductor that is, you know, engaging with our environment, with these, with, with our genetic predisposition, um, with our environment, with the um, epigenetic effects that are currently happening right now in this shift, Consciousness continues into the totality 
of oneness. I love that amazing experience. I've actually shared that exact thing on a mushroom trip, that sense of knowing full well that I, I, don't, I don't actually ever die, that we're technically eternally existing throughout this grand awareness. And the Egyptians didn't even have... <laughs> To keep going back to these, no, I have to go to like Egypt. <laughs> but they didn't even have the word death in their... It's not real. In their vocabulary. What did they have? Did they have like a... a there was no word for it. It's just, just continuation of next. consciousness. Well, we just shift into the next energetic form. I think that's... Whether it goes into nature in different forms, yeah. It's just literally true. However, I, I would say the reason that most people struggle with this concept is because when you're living a life wholly identified with the contents of your mind, as opposed to the container or the grander awareness that yeah. contains the contents, this conversation is stupid, yeah. right? It's, it's like, I remember being totally identified with my thoughts and emotions. The idea that somebody would tell me that awareness continues is, is the same thing as saying you die because my sense of self is my thoughts and my emotions. Right. If I've never sat in meditation and had even a brief moment of, you know, just sitting wholly unidentified yet identified with this grander awareness, it just isn't comprehensible or digestible to hear that, oh, awareness continues infinitely because at that level, what the fuck are you talking about? What do you mean awareness? I'm my thoughts and emotions. Yeah. And that ends when my brain dies as such, you guys are just a bunch of dumb hippies. And that's why, <laughs> to, those, to that point, you're totally right. Your conception of self, insofar it is dis defined by your current personality, persona, memories, and thought Identity. patterns, that dies. So yeah, enjoy it. Have fun with it. Even in the Bhagavad Gita, it does say that part of our purpose and to fulfill our dharma is to act through that unique mm -hmm. uh, persona, to embody your unit of the divine and the, an individuated expression of the divine as you, your unique self, while also knowing full well, it dies. You don't get to carry it with you. You don't take it with you. So to learn, and I always tell people why I meditate so much, I go, because I've been thinking about death for a very long time, mm. and I'm preparing to die, motherfucker, because <laughs> I want to be able to sit in that awareness without the potential pain. I don't know what happens, right? I haven't died yet, but I want to get good, I guess, <laughs> at sitting in that awareness. Because my gut tells me the more you do it, the more realized you can become here, developed in your soul, man, the greater adventure you're going to have in the next point. So, yeah, that's my point of advice. I love the idea of death. I, dude, the it's The thought exciting. of it is like, hmm. <laughs> also, like to point out um, the the term la petite mort, which is like um, an speak orgasm. French language <laughs> around here. Spanish or English. <laughs> But in the French um, language, an orgasm is termed la petite mort because really? it's a mini death. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, we don't have time to get into sex and whatnot, but like we... We can talk about sex next time. <laughs> we go through, we're constantly awakening and dying, living, dying, living, dying from moment to that. moment. Yes, absolutely. Right? Coming right back to this moment. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and the more we can be in... In the present, the more we heal the past, the more we could be in the present, mm -hmm. which then dictates the future. And so when people are like, how do you live like so in the present or like, uh, do you ever fear the future? I used to fear the future so much until I realized that all that matters is this 
present timeline, this present moment, which then dictates the future. And one might say that, and I, at least I see it in me, that hyper need to control the future is very masculine. And, and mm-hmm. it's like, the, it's kind of a regressive it's discipline, masculine. It's control. It's yeah. That doesn't understand. Yeah. The world is always changing. The we are always changing. You're always changing. And as such, the best way to live is through a disciplined surrender. Mm-hmm. Create your discipline, have your habits, but no fucking full well, you're not going to control the future like that. At best, which is best, you get to decide and create a cohesive system that can deal with the uncertainty of the future as best as possible mm-hmm. because you've created a secure and whole system and being. Yeah. And I think the more we have to remind ourselves, like we are always, we're always changing yep. like every single day. Um, also to note, like men have cycles, women have cycles, men have daily cycles where they're, I mean, I always consider the men to be the sun, the women to be the moon. That's exactly it. That's mm-hmm. even in this, in the, in yoga philosophy. That's yeah, how think we're, it. but we're always shape shifting. Like, do I always need to be in my feminine? No, I can honor like my masculine and the more aware that we can be of those constructs and then transcend it and then go into, you know, our spirit and dive into that realm. But like coming back onto earth and, and knowing that we have both, both pieces of us, we can utilize that to create awareness and a skill set. Mm. Um, and then see other people. I'm now I'm, I like to say I'm able to see whether someone is in their feminine or masculine. All right, smarty form. pants. What am I in? <laughs> You've been shape shifting, as we all do. No, I really, I'm my my ex partner. She was very much like, "You're very fluid." She's like, "You're a very yeah. fluid person," and I think that's true. I just who, the nature of who I am, and even in regards to my sexuality and everything. It's like, and even my even my star sign, the Gemini. It's like I'm I'm personally a very fluid individual, but I feel like some people bring out more of my masculine and more of my feminine. And to be honest, the romantic relationships that I've had that pull me into my masculine are the ones I feel the best in. The ones where I feel too much in my feminine, I actually, it, it doesn't feel totally aligned with me, mm-hmm. probably for obvious reasons. Maybe this will resonate with women, but like until last year where I had to like purge a lot of pain in my womb, women hold so much pain in, our, in womb their healing. womb. You gotta go Man. The womb cocoon. (laughs) (laughs) And so like I, if I could speak out and ask all the women listening, like to tune into if you have any blockages here, that's blocking your creation and birthing. And I was like, fuck, why can't I like, like I have so many ideas. What is blocking me from birthing this? And it was stored past energy that wasn't mine. Mm. I mean, maybe some experiences were mine, but some of it was just passed down. Yeah, women take a lot of and carry we a lot are of holding, other people's energies. We are holding the memories and emotions from our grandmother and our mother and ours. Mm-hmm. So we have a shit ton to clear in the womb. And yeah, that's something that like you can reflect and ask yourself, that is something is this is that something that you need to clear? Um, and dive into that emotion, dive into that tension, breathe into that tension, have conversations with your mother or grandmother if she's still alive and ask them about their experiences and see if like that's resonating or if you have a sense of memory of that in your body because our body tells our mind 
all of these emotions, right? We we hold all of our most of our emotions in our in our bodies, right? And tensions in our fascia. Um, but yeah, ask yourself that and see if that's like a potential block. Um, and then one other thing I want to ask women is like, like for me, when I'm in my full feminine, I can trust the masculine. I can, tr- and when a ma- man is in his a beautiful masculine form, I can soften into my feminine. Mm. And so like, ask yourself like, what is like, how are, how am I transmuting with this person's energy? Is it strong enough to hold me? Can I hold them and support them? Right. And, um, I think that that's so beautiful. If we can, if we can really humble ourselves and surrender, if we, women can humble, our, humble and surrender into the masculine and feel that trust, how beautiful it is to open. Because mm. like to be contracted your entire life Exhausting. will only cause disease and fatigue. Right? Beautifully said. I had to say that. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. I know your time is precious and I'm honored to share it with you. Please give the podcast five stars and follow us to stay updated. We look forward to seeing you here now, next time, for Where's the Nuance?